Welcome, welcome to Doobies Production. How are we doing today, people? So, um, <clears throat> of course, my name is Doobie. Well, that, that's the name I'm giving y'all because you, you don't know me right now. Yet, I want to talk to you about something today. See, um, I've been holding off on several projects, and here I am wanting to give you all something that is, to me, epic. Why? Because it came to my mind years ago. And then there was one that came you know, a few years ago, and then I started the project. But because of the way that the, my mind works, it depends on what's going on. So, hey, I want to show y'all that right there. That's Nasrat Muhammad right there, and that's Donald Elijah Muhammad right there. But anyway, um, so here I am striving to give you all this project that entails information about history of those that are indigenous to this land. For one, it's the names... I said, coming to this page, I appreciate you very much. Stay with me because it is not consistent, yet I'm striving to be better with this consistency. Why is that? Because the only way to success is consistency, trial and error. Why is that? Because you don't know what you're good at until you're good at it. Now, bring out this page. I actually found this on a trail that I was walking in in a suburb somewhere. These people were called, if you can read that, the Killing Renegade. Now, this information, I remember I was just walking and thinking about all the native things and all the native people on the land that was here before me and what they had to go through, the suffering and things of that nature. Now, check this information out. All right, we're on page... There's a very small amount of information that I have, but the information I do have just struck me. Now, I don't know how to start this because, like I said, so little information. I'm going to start on page what looks to be page 34. By Lawrence Cortesi. In 1903, Robert Pinkerton of the Pinkerton Agency said of Tom Horn, he was one of our most reliable employees, a man of uni unique, excuse me, unquestioned honesty and bravery, a man with great courage, a good judgment. He always brought in the thieves, rustlers, hold-up men, and murderers whom he set out to find. I cannot believe he would now commit such crimes. What are you talking about, Willis? That, that, that's a question. What are you talking about, Mr. Pinkerton? Okay. Now, Robert Pinkerton had reason to feel disappointed. Tom Horn had de developed a reputation as one of the most dogged and fearless lawmen of the Old West. Horn had run down, captured, or killed such elusive bad men as Gore Geronimin, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, G-E-R-O-N-I-M-O. -O. I don't have a dictionary on me, so forgive me. The Apache Kid, the Prince Brothers, and the Peg Leg McCoy Gang. He was a crack shot, superior horseman, and an incredible detective, and a superb tracker with cold, calculating efficiency. He would pursue his quarry for hundreds of miles and many weeks until he either killed or captured his suspect. <coughs> Excuse me. A few men ever escaped him. Think about how doggish you have to be for only a few men to be able to escape you hundreds of miles goodness gracious think about back in that time 
where they only had horses and buggies. How much work did he put in in actuality? That's the question I have to ask. Chasing outlaws. In my business, Tom Horn once told a newspaper reporter, I simply look upon it as a business venture. If I have to kill, I kill. Tom Horn would have joined the blisterous role of Western lawmen that included such men as Pat Gorett, Bud Leatherbat, Gorge Bangs, Bill Todman, or Alan Pinkerton. However, in 1899, Tom Horn suddenly turned from famed lawman to famed killer. <coughs> as, a, as with other Western badmen, he paid the price. Tom's trouble began in the spring of 1899. He had just brought Peg Leg McCoy, a notorious train robber, after tracking the outlaw from Colorado to Texas. Tom was now in the Denver <coughs> Saloon to drink and relax after the trying assessment. He was soon approached by Major Frank Wolcott. Think about that. <coughs> this man was of their day a law-abiding citizen and a good guy. Was approached by a high-ranking officer in their military. Wow. He was just doing his normal due diligence. Now, hey, I don't know this man. I don't give him credit because I don't believe in killers and robbers and stuff like that. So I don't know what he was doing. But from this little bit, it, to me, sounded like it was going to go bad anyway. Why? Because no man, no one man deserved all that power. Why is that? That power goes to the head, and you soon will make mistakes. That's what it looks like. He made a grievous mistake. <laughs> now, where were we? He was soon approached by Major Frank Wolcott, an ex-Indian fighter in the employ of the Wyoming Cattlemen's Association. The Major, tall and muscular, slumped next to the famed Pinkerton detective. <laughs> Tom Horn, the man asked. Horn merely nodded. Major Frank Wilcott and the Indian fighter said, extending a welcoming hand, I've been waiting to see you for some weeks. They told me you were trailing some train robbers. Wilcott then leaned closer to the horn and smiled. And I understand you brought them in. I usually do, Horn said nonchalantly. How much do Pinkerton pay you? Enough. Horn said, pouring smooth drinks into his bottle. I've got a prop proposition for you, Wilcott said. I can assure you, if you take this job, you'll see more money than Pinkerton Agency has in its Chicago bank, and you won't be tracking people all over the country. Wilcott finished. <coughs> Wait, he gets paid out of Chicago. I'm in Chicago. Isn't that something? Tom Horn gulped another shot of whiskey and then looked at Major Wolcott. I'm listening. Now, that, that, I like that type of execution. I like that. <clears throat> I understand. Uh-oh. I lost my spot. Anyway, I can proposition you. I can assure you. Okay. I'm listening. 
Well, God smiled. The Wyoming Cattlemen Association has had several trouble with wrestlers, and they want somebody to clean them out. You wouldn't rely, really be doing anything illegal. Wait, what? Doesn't that sound kind of illegal right there, just a thought about that? The Cattlemen's Association has had several trouble with wrestlers, wrestlers, and they want someone to clean them out. Well, pity party, that's what that is, a payback thing. You mean kill them, Horn said? Wilcott only shrugged. If you take the job, I'm authorized to pay you $500 as a retainer. Then when you get the, to the Cayenne, you're to be looked up John Coble of the Iron Mountain Ranch. He's the president of the Cattlemen's Association. <clears throat> Tom Horn took another shot of whiskey and then grinned as Walcott slapped a thick envelope on, in the palm of his hand. A $500 retainer. So that's what he has servicing. Wow. $500 retainer. So that's what his service was now worth. Jesus Christ. $500, goodness gracious. Today's standard, that's nothing. <clears throat> really nothing. I have a skateboard that's worth $400 right now. My computer's worth 2000 My TV, I don't know I was getting that. Goodness gracious. Wow. Tom had come a long way from Memphis, Missouri, where he was born... In 1861, he had started as a $20 a month ranch hand and had then become a rodeo roper and rider. For the next two decades, he had been a lawman, army scout, $50 a month deputy. Wow. See, this is the problem with having only pieces of something. You don't get too much of what you need to really adequately give you what you, you know. Fence. Goodness gracious. I can't figure this doggone thing out now. 34. Okay. Deputy. <clears throat> and then Pinkerton men had roamed through the wild forest, cold mountains, and scorching deserts to run down outlaws. What had it got when accepted enough money? What had it got him except enough money for cheap whiskey and a run-down hotel rooms? <clears throat> Think about that nowadays. There's people actually doing jobs like that still. But they don't know their worth and their true value. And they don't know the history of this. So they're technically reliving everything that this man had to live through back in the 1800s. Cheap whiskey and rundown hotel rooms. That was all that he could get, $50 a month. So technically, he was paying like $5 and something for a night in the hotel. Maybe $10. I, I doubt $10 because that's way too much, but I think $5 a night or like $10 a week. So that was technically $2 a day just for a hotel room? Ah, anyway. Now he was offered more money than he has ever seen before. He could afford the finest rooms, the best meals, and most expensive clothes. He would be a man of means as well as a man of reputation. <clears throat> and why not? 
who had really approached or appreciated his long dedicated service as a lawman. I'll go up to the Cayenne and see John Coble, Tom told his visitor. Major Frank Wilcott smiled and handed Tom the envelope. At Cayenne Rancher, John Coble welcomed Tom Horn with thick praise. He told Horn that the Wyoming ranchers needed a man of Tom's experience and reputation to clean out the, co the cattle thieves. These rustlers are driving us to the brink of bankruptcy. <coughs> yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Coble said, you'll be doing the beef industry a world of good. Oh, so they got beef with beef robbers. And, wow. But Horn was not impressed. He knew that ranchers and farmers in Wyoming had been feuding for over a decade. Oh, okay. Okay, so this man is taking on jobs. That, that's just strangely. Over decades. Because homesteaders often fence their land in and reduce the size of free-ranging land. The cattlemen's supply wanted Tom's guns to eliminate some of the more militant homesteaders if they could strike the fear in the hearts of Wyoming sod busters. I don't know what a sod buster is, but I know what sod is, but a sod buster, like we have sod where we put down grass and stuff like that. That's sod. <clears throat> the big cattle ranchers would have less trouble with them, but so long as they're willing to pay top wages, Tom was now willing to hire himself out as a paid assassin. <clears throat> See, I want to put a part two to this for y'all. Because just right there is a lot of information I have to break down. People of law, people of honor, and people that do business like that, even to this day, there's a very thin line. And a lot of people don't know that thin line is very, it's a gray area. That a lot, a lot of so-called law-abiding workers tend to fall under. Why is that? Mainly because the fact that when you don't get paid enough after so long, you tend to get kind of ill-hearted and just down in the dump. So when an opportunity like that shows its face, a lot of people are going to take it. Why is that? Because you don't want to be broke your whole life. You're tired of just living from wage to wage and opportunity to opportunity. So you tend to take risks. You tend to take chances. Why? Because... You want the best in life. You see everybody else having best, better, and great, and good. And you think to yourself, why the heck not me? Well, keep doing your work and you will see. In all honesty, that's what I get from that. Yet, not all money is good money. So you must, must vex your company that comes your way. Because at the end of the day, <clears throat> when you're doing wrong, or even doing right for the wrong reasons, still technically wrong. So those that come to you with opportunities, vex them. And if it doesn't stay in line with what you really stand for, just know what goes around comes around. But like I say, until next time, peace and blessings. Part two on its way.